0: Welcome to the GPS Training Podcast. The monthly podcast keeping you up to date with everything in the world of outdoor GPS navigation.
1: Welcome to the GPS Training Podcast. It's our 89th episode. Again, I'm joined by Andy from GPS Training. Welcome Andy to this month's podcast. Hello. Hello. Are you fitting well? Yes, very good. Have you been up too much over the last month? I know what the answer's going to be here. Go on, what have you done?
0: (laughs) Training for the Montane, even though it's not until June next year. um, I completed the St Cuthbert's Way trail in Northumberland. It's a 64 mile from Melrose and the Borders to Holy Island. I did that over just a weekend. So most people do it over like four or five days, I think. But we did it over just under 29 hours, so
1: and you felt I mean, fresh i was massively impressed how fit you looked in the morning on the uh, monday morning afterwards with no sleep and it wasn't the greatest of conditions it was fairly wet on the saturday yeah was it, it was time? a bit
0: wet um i managed to try out some new Gore tex fell running trainers that i've not used before so they were great uh, but to me you know 29 hours just under 29 it wasn't a mega fast time but we just was steady and slow it was a bit slippy in the night so i had to take it easy it was quite muddy and wet but the fact that really all, all we did at it was about the 37 mile mark. We had a hour and a half's rest in a friend's camper van that he came and met us. We'd had a rest earlier on at 17 miles, just half an hour for some food and change socks. But that was it. There was no sleep involved in there. To be honest, at the end, I felt pretty good, and which is what I want to be feeling for Ready for the Montane Spine Challenger next year.
1: Fantastic! No, well done. Massive congratulations! I would say great performance. It's always great because uh, people don't know Andy. kindly shares his uh, tracker with us, so we can keep keep an eye on him, and uh, he's quite entertaining for a weekend watching Andy uh, cross the uh, hills of the Scottish Borders and, and Northam. And I get
0: to test. I mean, what that is is always good. We're testing all the equipment we sell. You know, the GPSs and torches and everything. It's a good time for me to test new equipment or test the GPS's that we're selling and and put them through their paces, which is always good.
1: Excellent. So in this month's GPS trading podcast, we discuss the advantage of 125k mapping on a GPS unit. That's very much because uh, currently we've got just a week left of a half price offer on 125k mapping when you buy a a number of units from ourselves. We also give our initial thoughts, or not initial thoughts, seven months in, our thoughts on the Garmin GPS maps 67 and 67i. We also then talk a little bit about using a head torch uh, with a GPS unit. As, as uh, winter's uh, very much approaching, we discuss um, how you can use a head torch um, in relation to using it alongside your GPS unit, And then finally, we have Andy's top tips. <music> So the first thing on this month's GPS training podcast is the advantage of 1 to 25K mapping on an outdoor GPS unit. I say, this is because until the 8th of October um, of this year, there's actually currently an offer where we do half price of map cards with any, uh, well, with a Garmin GPS map 67, 67i, Montana 700 and Montana 700i. So it's actually a Garmin led promotion because um, we we don't make 175 pounds on a unit, which is the amount that we're discounting the map cards by. So it's very much a Garmin led promotion. Um, and it's yeah it's it's a great offer so if you're thinking about changing um it's a great time to change your gps unit with this offer again we can still do trade-ins and everything so 125k mapping andy compared to 150k mapping what is the main advantages or what are the main differences i mean there
0: is a few differences between an explorer 1 to 25 map and a land Ranger. but the big one for me is always going to be the field boundaries shown so on your one to 25 more detailed map the explorer map you see the outline of the fields and where that's a brilliant advantage sometimes it's when you're lower level it's not so much when you're high up in the hills but sometimes when you're coming down into the valleys and you're looking at a path on the gps device so let's say if we do have the 1 to fifty unit we see the path which is great accuracy of the gps has has improved so much over the years so you can see where you should be but you do get those scenarios which i mean i can give you a really good proper example of when i did the montane spine challenger um actually it wasn't last year it was the first year i did it i had a 150 map card in the unit i was using and fair enough it was dark it was nighttime but i came up against two fields both fields had gates there was no pennine we sign and when you looked at both fields as far as I could see it looked like there was tracks paths in both fields one was more than likely an animal track one was the proper footpath and when you were looking on the 1 to 50 map with the map um the route in front of you the, the path in front of you you were just seeing a path and you couldn't guarantee was it left or right hand field now don't get us wrong as I went into the wrong field which is what I did And I started moving away as the path, as what I was walking on, the the shape of the field bent away from where the path should have been. I realised I was in the wrong field. So to be honest, I didn't have to walk miles back, but it was still a bit of a pain. The difference is, so when I did it last year and I had the 1 to 25 map card in that same bit, remember it clearly. I was looking at the path and saying, I know 100% it's in that right hand field because I could see the path to the right of the field boundary. So it really does help knowing, you know, those scenarios where there's not a clear sign, there's not a clear style and potentially you've got two fields where it looks like there's two paths because of an animal track. Having the field boundary really helps. So I mean, I know there's other things we can talk about, but that's the main one for me, having the field boundaries.
1: That's it. There's something that I think when I speak to customers on the phone, most people want a 125k mapping because that's what they're used to. But the, the problem is usually the cost. No. Again, yeah, we, we normally can well we do discount the 150k map card at half price. So you, you your customers say, price of the unit, plus either £100 for a 1 to 50k mapping, or usually we discounted £320 uh, usually, I know it's a £349 product, so people say, is it worth the extra you no know, £220? It's a lot of money, but at the moment, with it just being £75 more than the 1 to 50k mapping, can I why would you? Well, there's no reason oh, not yeah. to go for it. Really, is there? Yeah. I mean, there's other. You know, there's other things as well. I mean, we I think the field boundaries
0: yeah. is the main one for me. You've got your contour lines are more detailed. They're closer together. You can see them uh, the, when you're trying to work out what hills are coming out Coming up when you're reading the contours, they look more detailed. And we've got the it's the rights of access land, yeah, isn't it? It's, where it's you've it's got open those access, area open access areas, sure.
1: So they're marked on the 125k mapping, which is like a yellow um, or a green yellow in the forested areas where you do have the right to roam. Which, again, is quite useful in those upland areas. You know, if there's a farm um, quad bike track or something, you know you've got open access. And it's often easier following that, um, especially here in Northumberland up on the uplands, than it is following the actual way. Right away. So
0: it's that orange shaded area, it isn't is. it? The it might on the and there. the um,
1: other thing is permissive footpaths as well. So you yeah, we get permissive footpaths which again you tend to find within national parks which are often the, where, where people tend to walk uh, and that's why the permissive footpaths.
0: And, and when you look at the way buildings are shown they're more detailed so sometimes again I know I'm going back to coming down into the valleys you may be coming into towns or villages where the paths do go through and um, the side of buildings and that it's sometimes a little bit easier just to work out with the Rather than having three or four buildings that would just be one square block on the one to fifty lesser detailed map, you've got that split into smaller sections, so sometimes easier to work out when you've come back down into the valley into like a village or a hamlet where that path goes through the buildings you know
1: yes, that's really I think i say we can afford it it's it's certainly worth the extra you have it in your unit do you have the one twenty five yep. yeah
0: yeah when we changed units we got the one to twenty five I think you've just got the 1 to 50 was a hard one to... It, it's a great map, and to be honest, when you're up in the hills, the 1 to 50 map's fine. Mm-hmm. We sell a lot of 1 to 50 maps. It's got paths on. It's got the things we want to see, contour lines. It's it's a detailed map. I think it's just when you're sometimes doing a lot of these long-distance trails that do come down into valleys and more into the urban environments, it's it's better then to have, I think, the field boundaries marked, you know.
1: Brilliant. So that's a nice overview of that. Just while we're talking about maps, I, I don't know if people seen on youtube i do this freaking ask questions um a video um, um and and the one i've just released this week um is can you and how to update ordnance survey maps on a garment gps you know i'm not going to tell you the answer to that and we're not going to discuss it but i thought it's a bit of a a tease there no have a look go on to youtube and put in gps training and um and put in how to update your ordnance survey maps um, and uh, there's a little video there where I've answered the four most commonly asked questions like why we have Ordnance Survey mapping on a Garmin GPS unit when it's got topoactive mapping how do you update the OS maps the a Garmin GPS unit how often do OS update their maps and does anything change on an OS on OS maps that's a video that was uh, just launched this week and it's been yeah, very well received so again go to YouTube have a look at that Going back to the subject on hand, if you are interested in taking this map card option, it does finish on the 8th of um, October, so it's not long, um, please do uh, grab it. So it says half price uh, 1 to 50k map cards, which we normally do, and also half price 1 to 25k mapping with a Garmin GPS map 67, 67i, or a Garmin Montana 700, 700i. If you want to find out more, please just go to our website, which is gpstraining.co.uk. Click on GPS store at the top and then GPS units. Next thing on this month's GPS Training Podcast is seven months in the Garmin GPS Map 6767i. We actually had to Google this yesterday and didn't see when it was launched. Yeah. It like it's been with us a lot longer than that. I had this discussion this day is so How long have we had this for? Well, seven months. Um, it's been with us. Um we both upgraded, so we can speak quite openly about this. Now, Andy's got the sixty-seven I, and I've been using the sixty-seven. So we both upgraded from our previous units. I was a sixty-six I unit uh, user before, and you had an eighty-six, didn't you, Andy? Yeah. So you uh, upgraded. So really, what what are the major advantages of of this top end button GPS unit from Garmin? What, what were the main differences when it came out?
0: The main thing is the battery. The changed the way the electronics work and that has improved it's not made it a bigger battery than its predecessor it's the same size but the way the electronics draw the current and things like that have given us just an unbelievable not just let's add a few hours on we went from something that was 20 odd hours plus to something that's way over 100 hours plus now i know a lot of people sit there think well actually i don't you know i don't go out for more than 100 hours i know We've been doing these big challenges, like, you know, we keep going on about the montane, but fair, you know, yes, they go over 60, up to 60 hours for the one that we've been doing, um, and there's longer ones. But even when you're just doing your daily walks, it's that um, we're so used to, you know, it being a bit of a pain with my phones. You've got to be so meticulous with your phone to say, you know i've got to charge my nearly every day certainly every other day with the gps you don't suddenly go ah i forgot to charge it uh, what we're going to do you find you've done a couple of walks and then you look at it and um, i mean the best way to do it is i plug it in to charge it and then when it turns on you turn it off and then on the screen it tells you the battery percentage I'm thinking, look, I've just done a couple of day walks and I've still got 80 odd percent and I'm not worrying about having to keep charging it. Yeah, you know, it's absolutely amazing. I was
1: just out last weekend. I was guiding on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, did the Dales Three Peaks, for the group for our uh, sister business, Shepherd's Horse Holidays. And I guided, and I, I, I planned my routes and I navigated with the Garmin GPS Map 67. So three days, um, not because like, it's a holiday, we're not going at a cracking pace, no, with a nice steady pace, it's running all day long, four days walking. And I use less than 25% of the battery life in three days walking. And I just, I'm dumbstruck, no, absolutely. Um, I don't even know where my charging cable is, to be honest. <laughs> it's, uh, it's amazing, because again, the thing is when you plug it into your computer, to do your planning, um, it charges, yeah. so you plug it into your computer. In my case, I'll you know, spend an hour planning my routes. It's now fully charged. Charges and, really quick, and and, and I've <laughs> never, I've never, I think I've once plugged it into the mains to charge. I've never because I just plug it into my computer when I'm planning it and it boots it back up and you forget about it. It's, it's just. Yeah, it's life changing. Really, USB
0: C cable. I didn't think that was going to be life changing, but to be honest. Not everyone has this for their phone, maybe, but my phone's USB-C, I carry the one cable now. And sometimes when you're tired and you you know, you know are wanting to plug it into something, it doesn't matter which way around you put the cable. So I know it's not you know, the biggest selling point that it has a USB-C cable, but I do like the fact that I can put the cable either way around. Um, that goes in the back of the unit and it's the same cable as many I've got a head torch now that's USB-C I've got me phone that's USB-C I've got me bone conductor headphones are USB-C so I'm, everything's trying to make it more universal so I'm not having to carry loads of cables don't get us wrong if I want to charge a couple of things at once for me power bank I carry a couple bit I'm not worrying about what cables they are they're all USB-C so you know that helps um, accuracy i think the you know we've now got the i mean i've got the i version so anyone you might not be aware of this sorry listening to this i had an 86i before which was basically the same as the 66i just the marine version you didn't get multi-band and dual frequency if you had the in-reach version for tracking
1: 66i as well so mine had the same. 66i wasn't multi-band so um, i like
0: the fact now i've got the in-reach function which allows me to do two-way satellite messages and sos but i haven't lost that function of having multi band and multi band just means more accurate in more challenging environments the dual frequency helps when you're in places where you know you could be in an urban environment where you've got tall buildings or let's just look in the hills you're in a valley lots of trees lots of steep sides it helps iron out any irregularities from the gps signal by having that multi-band dual frequency so that's in fact i know that's you know if you'd had some of the other models you had that but now i can have the in reach and still have the dual frequency i like that
1: Mm -hmm. So, you've had it for seven months, Andy. What, would you go back to your 86 then, or not, or do you think? No, I mean, when I, I got the 86,
0: I liked the fact um, I was doing some kayaking at the time, or I'd been invited to do some kayaking, and to be honest, if I'm honest, I was going to get the 66i, and we couldn't get them in stock for love or money, and I saw the 86i and thought, well, it's quite handy having that float on the back. It did everything I wanted, Um But now that I've got, you know, I can put this in a waterproof bag if I was going to go kayaking. Um, And it's, sorry, it's totally waterproof um, for the rain and if you dropped it in a puddle, etc. But you wouldn't want it to be submerged for a long time if you were in the sea or something. You would put it on something that, um, I'm saying a waterproof bag, I mean a bag with a float. You can get those floats. So if I was doing sea kayaking or something, I'd get something to make it float other than that, um, it does everything I want. It's just the battery. I'm not, I do, I, yes, I'm doing these big challenges where it's nice to know I can go 60 hours and not have to charge it when I'm doing the montane. But at the same time, you do two or three day walks and think, ah, I still don't need to charge it. It's, you know, we're being greener. You're not constantly plugging it in and using the electricity at home because it's going longer and longer. Um, and I, I tell you the other thing I've noticed, um, we mentioned this quite a bit that with newer units, you're not needing a computer as much. But I always, whenever Garmin mentions something about not needing a computer, there's nearly always, ah, but if you want to do this, you still need a computer. What I've noticed with the 67 range now, Garmin didn't really mention this in any of the specs. And when they were saying, oh, this is what's changed. You get the free European maps, which is great if you're know if you travelling abroad. Now with nearly all units, that, I think it's all units we sell, to update those European maps you still need a computer. It's the first time I've seen a unit where on the 67 series, I just discovered it by chance, you can update the European maps. And there's maps for other countries that we didn't have on the other units. So Garmin have put a load more of their other, what they call their topoactive recreational maps for different countries and regions but they can be updated via Wi-Fi. So as well as being able to send routes to the unit using an app I use the Garmin Connect app, which I know you can do with other units, I can now truly say all software updates, including map updates can be done by Wi-Fi. So in theory, I don't need, I do use a computer for some things, but I don't actually need a computer, which is great because not all customers own a computer with a USB cable and I think
1: once you start using that Explorer app it is um, sorry the Connect app it just makes life a lot easier and if you're setting yourself you know courses and things and transferring it, you kind of I suppose it's what you're used to, isn't it? Some people enjoy plugging things into a computer and doing it that way. But once, I suppose, because we're watch users as well, we're quite used to that connect experience, aren't we?
0: Yeah, but I'm planning, you know, I'll plan routes on, you know, our free planner. I've even managed to use a phone, a touchscreen on a phone. I know it's not designed for that, but you can do it. I've got other apps from other manufacturers I use. A lot of time I'm downloading routes from websites on my phone and then I just say, oh, open this with Garmin Connect mm-hmm. and then send it to the unit. Now I know we can do that with other units not just for the 67 and 67i but it's my head thinking what if I didn't have a computer what couldn't I do if I had another unit and it's more the you know not everyone needs to update those European maps they're not using it in that way but if I was you know I go to the Channel Islands sometimes I've got friends on the Channel Islands and um, you know it's not a place I would tend to get lost in it's quite a small yeah I go to um, sorry, Guernsey one of the smaller islands but actually when I was there on holiday Uh, last year I used that topoactive European map was great for doing some of the little walks that we did around the island and I can update those maps and using free updates for life and I don't have to get a computer out to update them I can update them via Wi-Fi now so that was the final thing for me where you still needed a computer to update the European maps all these other maps have now got for other countries for free you don't need a computer now so yeah, battery is the main thing, yeah. definitely. But it has got some other features.
1: I was amazed a lot of people did upgrade to it, solely because of the battery. So it is now turned into um, our best-selling GPS unit by, I would say, a significant way. Really, you no, know, I would say fifty percent of units we sell are with sixty-seven, sixty-seven eyes. With the other fifty percent being the other, you no, know, say eight to nine units that we sell, yeah. and it is that that is the way it is. Buttoned units, you no, know, hugely popular these days. You no, know, we can have a well, it's, it's, it's quite interesting, really, because ten years ago, you no know, touchscreen unit where where the where that everybody went. So now everybody's come back to buttons. I think on a day like today, it's been a where it's horrible start the day Do you know people can wear the gloves they can you know put it in the pocket they're not accidentally gonna know we're we not
0: all challenging myself more we're more challenging walks and you know where we've taken on you know we've embraced walking after covid a lot of people got back into walking and they're trying to challenge themselves more a bit like the challenges we're doing where you're going through the night you go you're out in horrible weather you're out all the time all year round setting yourself these challenges and i think having that unit that's got the buttons where i mean to give you an example when i got my 67i it was a baptism of fire. i got it when it just launched in march and i had literally the week after i got it from you i had something on northumberland called the allendale challenge which is a challenge that raises money for one of the mountain rescue teams up here and it was you know it's, the, the weather was atro- atrocious we had you know we're down to minus two minus three sleet hail snow rain I was knee deep in peat bog that unit um it got covered in peat covered in bog water splashed in mud it was now we're going back to the battery that event was so misty and foggy you could only see um a few meters in front of you. I was constantly turning on to check where I was. You couldn't see the paths in front of you. You couldn't see them on the ground. So the other thing to think about with that battery, normally I have it where the screen's off after 30 seconds and then I might not put it on for another 10, 15 minutes. You know, it was on loads. And I still, at the end of the day, thought the battery on this, you know, I haven't even eaten into half of the battery and I've had it in cold temperatures covered in bog water and I've constantly had it on for that route because you couldn't see in front of you. Uh, and it just performed brilliantly and of course going back to having buttons with the gloves I had on I was able to use the buttons and it didn't matter that the screen was covered in mud and water and all the rest of it.
1: Do you know it's one thing I've, I've over the last I'm going to say the last six months I've really made me realise how hard it is to use a touchscreen in not perfect conditions like yeah. you know I, I'm a big iPhone user and, and I do use it a lot and even as out last weekend, we were on top of a summit, and and I couldn't even get my blooming camera to work because it was so nice. misty. And I was yeah. like, somebody said, "Take a picture of me here." And I really struggled to use my phone. Going back to the Montane back in June, you know, the hardest bit, Montaigne was replying to my wife's blooming WhatsApp on my iPhone because I just it was wet and misty and horrible. My fingers yeah. weren't working, and I sit there going. I've said this a number of times. I've said this to people on the phone. If people tell me they can use their smartphone in terrible conditions, tell me how to do it because I'm really struggling to, to use it. It's it's just not working I've noticed recently
0: uh, Nokia have got this range of other makes are available of retro phones. And it's like people buying uh, the old... St- style phones again where they've got very basic cameras you know you can't do all the social media stuff i mean some of them have got features you can do the whatsapp and Mm -hmm. a few things that will go on the internet very basically but it's people wanting that long battery very simple phone with just a basic camera i've noticed they've even got the radios like remember the days when the phones had the radios built in and you plugged your headphones in and the wired headphones with the aerial Nokia, supposedly, one of their biggest sellers at the minute, is this uh, retro range of phones they've got. I'm sure there'll be other manufacturers are doing the same, you know, mm-hmm. so it just shows you.
1: Yeah, so this kind of shows why people are, yeah, why buttoned units are just, yeah, very much in fashion at the moment, what everybody seems to be going for. So, yeah, I think, I can't, I can't sing his praises enough. I think, it's, I think it's the best GPS unit I've ever, I've ever used. I, I wouldn't change, you know, if somebody came along and said you can have any, any GPS unit, I, I wouldn't personally change it to anything else, I, I would ask, ask for exactly the same unit. Yeah, um, yeah battery life, that's key thing isn't it, battery life is, completely changes um, the way you think. Do you know, I can kind of think, you No. Know, both Andy and I deliver courses, you know, we used to spend 15 minutes discussing batteries you No. Know, five years ago, didn't we, you know, yeah. these A batteries were best, etc., cetera, et and oh, we should get eight to 10 hours out of these, maybe push hard, you might get 12 hours, and then we're walking around with GPS units, which you no, know, as Andy says, over hundred hours now. I I know Andy's still got his set up correctly, which the screen goes off after thirty seconds. I've got mine, so the screen stays on all the time yeah. now, and and I'm still getting over hundred hours of battery life out it. Yeah. Because again, for me, you no, know, I, I don't need any more, and I would rather just have the screen on yeah. all the time. Um, and of course, I'm not with the backlight on because that preserves it, but it's it's yeah still performing very. With that battery life, you can kind of yeah, abuse it a bit, can't you? I was in,
0: I wondered if in the future Garmin would do, now that the battery technology is getting better and the electronics that draw the current, whether they would think about doing a higher resolution screen in the future, because we know we don't have a high-res screen, but it's all to do with conserving that battery. But it'd be interesting, you know, maybe not in the next year or two, but a few years' time, whether that technology have been able to have a higher resolution screen with the battery still, I mean, I wouldn't want, I'd rather have it as it is now, And that amazing battery, I wouldn't want suddenly, oh, there's a high resolution screen and it's half the battery. I I, I like the fact now we've got this 100 plus hours because I can go for weeks and weeks on holiday, you know, a couple of weeks holiday, weeks holiday, whatever, without worrying. But it'd be interesting to see how things move on in the next couple of years, you know, with the battery technology getting better all the time.
1: I'm still on my words here, I don't know if to say anything or not because I've signed a non disclosed agreement with Garmin. But something's happened later on this year that would be a little bit exciting on that front as well. That's all I can really but say. But at the minute, the
0: unit, yeah. I just look, you know, for that battery life, I just, you know, I know that's all you've heard. We go battery, battery, battery. Yeah. But I think it's because a lot of time I have conversations with customers where initially it's, well, I don't actually need that 120 hours. Why do I need 120? bits, when you think about the. You know, it's a pain. Keep charging your phone every day. Oh, I have a charged me phone, plugging things in, um, and just like you, you know, we said Garmin always quote the figures based on your screen going off every now and then like you've just answered that question with, you've got your unit staying on loads. Yes, the backlight not up full and you're getting that amazing battery. So it's not about necessarily getting that 100 hours, 100 plus hours in the best case scenario. You've got to think, well, what's the worst case? It's horrible weather, it's freezing cold. So cold affects the battery. It's foggy, like I have said, misty in the winter. You cannot see in front of you. So suddenly you've got the screen on all the time. You're following a route, you're tracking what you're doing. You're sending messages. You're doing everything to use as much battery as possible you're not going to achieve the maximum batteries then so then it doesn't matter because you know you don't actually need that maximum battery so it's thinking of it that way if you get if you look at a unit where you're getting 20 odd hours which is still great that's in the best scenario suddenly that's down to 15 hours because of everything you're doing still good enough for your day's walk but i think we're just taking that that step further
1: Brilliant. So, I say, we understand we we can't sing it's praise enough. We're very very pleased with the the GPS units so far over the last seven months. Um, So if it is something you're interested in, please do give us a shout here at GPS Training. If you want to find out more about the Garmin GPS Map 67 series, please go to our website, which is gpstraining.co.uk, click on GPS Store, and then GPS Units. Next thing on this month's GPS Training Podcast is a head torch in winter alongside a GPS unit. So Andy, uh, we had a bit of a chat last day, So, we should discuss this. So really, I'm gonna hand it over to you, Andy, because it's about how a GPS screen looks in when yeah. you're using it with a head torch. It's something you've experienced quite a lot. Yeah, certainly. I've
0: talked about this before, but probably something we talk about when we get to this time of year. Um, when I first started doing these challenges in the night and I was using, uh, it would have been my GPS map 86, unit I looked at the GPS and thought backlight setting what backlight do you put on in the night oh you must because I always say to the customers when the sun's shining on your screen so the products we sell the Garmin handheld GPS's the Garmin watches and the Coros brand of watches all have screens that when the Sun shines on them we always say they come to life they look better with the sunshine on them so when you're in a in a dull a dull day sitting in the office if I'm using my GPS at home you know in in the house or in the office i put the backlight up a bit higher because we've got no sunlight shining on the screen so i automatically thought dark night you put the backlight up it will use more battery but then what am i doing in the dark because i need to see where i'm going i'm wearing a head torch when a head torch shines on the screen i didn't know you know i always thought that it's, it's to do with the uv rays the way the sunlight. you know something a bit more technical that's over my head on how the sunlight brings the screen to life but I realized it is just light levels that reflects off the back of the screen. So actually in the nighttime when you're doing nighttime navigation, you're gonna have a head torch on when your head torch shines on the screen of the Garmin GPS, the watch, the Coros watch it's just like the sun shining on it so you don't need the backlight levels up high. so that's what I discovered. Um, so when I was doing this challenge the other weekend this in Cuthbert's way, two o'clock in the morning head torch on my gps screen still had the backlight set at 10 percent, and it just brings it to life like the sun and the screen just brightens up as soon as the head torch shines on it so i just think you know we should be carrying a head torch this time of year i've actually just bought a spare one um from john for, from work because we sell a couple of different brands of head torch just so i've got two head torches just so it's easier rather than faffing about because i found it a bit of a faff when i did uh, out the other weekend Changing batteries in the middle of the night, you know. Don't get the song, I had a friend with us, so they were able to shine their head torch to allow me to do it. But I thought, wouldn't it be easier just have two head torches with a full set of batteries in? Um, and the fact that with a GPS device. You don't need the backlight up high.
1: Mm-hmm. Brilliant. So yeah. So don't be scared of looking at it because naturally, as, as you as you said, naturally you think that actually when you look at a screen with a bright light, it's actually you can just bounce back from you like a mobile phone would do. Yeah. But as you rightly say, because these GPS units are made for bright sunshine, they come to life, don't yeah. they? So don't... But the
0: thing is, if For some it was getting dark and you didn't have the head torch on, so you knock the backlight up, you would do that. That's what you need to do. Just remember that's using more batteries. So suddenly you then got your head torch on and you're using the head torch. Just remember to knock your backlight back down to like the 10%, 20%. You probably wouldn't need it any higher than 20%. I've noticed even on the 67, I think you've got this on other units, when you put the backlight down when you get the 10% if you knock it one down it says NV which must be night vision oh, nice. goggles I'm assuming likes so of the army uh, army guys would use night vision goggles so I don't own a pair of night vision goggles to try that but I noticed there was a setting that NV has got to be for night vision goggles
1: fantastic brilliant so really good top tip there Well, not, not one of the official top tips but a nice little extra top tip keep your back of- you don't
0: need your back light up high when you've got a head torch shining on it Fantastic. <laughs>
1: Next thing on this month's GPS Training Podcast is Andy's top tips. So, Andy's top tips on uh, both handheld and watches this week. So, the
0: one on the watch is actually keeping this theme of backlight settings. um, And we're going to talk about the Coros watches that we sell. So, we've got a range of watches, the Coros Apex 2 and Apex 2 Pro. So, I use my Coros watch when I was doing the St Way the other weekend. Used it just more to record my stats, see what speed I was doing, what distance I'd travelled. I did have navigation on it, even though I'd be honest, you know, a GPS is far better handheld for the navigation, but it did have my route on it. But what I noticed, I'd forgotten about this setting. When I got into the night and I had my poles and I was walking along with my poles, every time my arm came up, the backlight was coming on on the watch. Now, that's because on my Coros watch in the settings, I like the backlight setting which is the auto one so in the night time if you tip your wrist up to look at the time the backlight comes on that's great I mean in normal use not a problem but I thought now I'm recording an activity I don't want the battery to go so what I'd forgotten about on your Coros watch I'm looking at there'll be on other Coros watches I'm sure but we do the Apex 2 and the Apex 2 Pro when you go into your settings there's a setting, um, sorry, I say in your settings, it's into the toolbox widget screen. So you hit the back button on your unit from the normal watch face to go into the toolbox screen. And there's an option that says night mode, and you've either got night mode off or on or auto. So I use the auto on, and what the auto on does, any activities, so as soon as you record an activity, running, hiking, trail running, etc. if it's an hour before sunset, if you put the night mode as auto on, what it does is it just keeps the backlight of the unit on quite low. It's enough when you're glancing at it to see it. Head torch is brilliant, so the head torch shines on it. It's absolutely fine, but it means it's every time you raise your wrist, it's not coming on. It's just on at a lower level all the time, and what automatically happens is when you stop the activity, It goes back to whatever your normal setting was, your gesture control, or if you're doing an activity like we do that goes right the way through the night, it automatically switches that off when it gets an hour after sunrise. So I just think it's a great tip to go into your toolbox setting by holding the back button, scroll down to night mode and you can't just manually turn it on or off when it's the night time. And this is for when you're recording an activity. But I've just put it on the setting that says auto. So I know whenever I record an activity in the night, it will just put the backlight on dim rather than it constantly coming on every time you lift, lift your wrist up. Brilliant. So that is my Chorus Watch.
1: Tape. And I'll just quickly say about Chorus. Thank you, everybody, for buying Chorus watches. We've had a real run on them, especially the, the new Chamonix edition. Uh, we actually got quite a lot in stock because we've been selling them like hotcakes, I think, Andy. you should be an ambassador for a yeah, we've done the,
0: it's the limited edition blue chamonix yeah. one that seems to have went down really well obviously we'll have that as long as we can keep getting that in because i think they only made three thousand yeah. models of that blue one but no it's going well um i mean, going back to um just if we were looking at a garmin watch as well that tip they they don't have you can turn off the gesture control on or off with a garmin watch you can have it where you just just adjust the backlight or down and it's the same thing you don't need your backlight up very high when you've got a head torch shining on the watch.
1: Fantastic. So, the next top tip of this month is for units, is it?
0: Yeah, the Montana 700 unit is the one that gets used a lot by trail riders, um, and also people sometimes use it for car navigation, mainly because it's a big screen unit where if you put, you can buy a car mount that has a speaker. So, if you buy, um, I'm thinking more along the lines of the 700i or the 750i unit, that's the one that comes with the city navigator maps. So, the scenario could be you're a trail rider and you've got the one with the um, city navigator maps and you want to use it for road navigation. With the Montana series, the 700i and 750i, you can potentially have three sets of maps on that. If you buy it from GPS training with an ordnance survey map card, so we've talked about the special offer on the 1 to 25 map cards, so you might have either the 1 to 25 map or the 1 to 50 map card. The unit comes preloaded with a recreational map called topoactive europe and also you've got the city navigator the cn europe maps on your 700i 750i if you're going to use it for road navigation what we find is if you leave all map sets turned on it can sometimes cause an issue with it trying to navigate to something on the road so what we recommend on your montana 700i 750i if you're going to do road navigation you're more than likely going to use the driving profile so you go to the main menu profile change and change it to driving but just make sure that you go into setup and map and in setup and map you'll see manage maps always have the worldwide base map turned on and what i recommend for road navigation just have city navigator turned on turn off all of the ordnance survey maps if you've got the 1 to 50 map disable it by touching the little tab to the right so it goes grey if you've got the Ordnance Survey 1 to 25 map card you have to go down all the regions East England, West England, um, North Scotland, South Scotland and Northern England disable those and just have City Navigator disable the Topoactive Europe ones as well works much better and then when you're on one of the other profiles that you might be using for your motorbike it could be hike or mountain bike it doesn't matter it's just the terminology I would then potentially do the opposite. If you're doing off-road stuff, turn off the City Navigator maps. If you're just using the Ordnance Survey maps, turn off the Active European maps. This tip has two parts. So that's the first part. So just using the City Navigator maps for road navigation. If you've bought a unit without the City Navigator map, so that would be the Montana 700, and you wanna use it for road navigation in Great Britain, if you've got an Ordnance Survey map card, it does it you can't search for postcodes, but it does have road data. So you could search for use the cities option. But I would recommend then you do the same thing, whatever profile you want, so probably the driving profile, go into map setup and manage maps, turn off the Topo Active Europe ones and just have the Ordnance Survey maps turned on. The final one, so I suppose you it's like a three-part tip. This, if you're in Europe so you're not in Great Britain, so you're not, your Ordnance Survey map card, of course, isn't going to work, and you haven't bought the City Navigator maps, and you're going to use the Total Active Europe maps. If you set your unit as driving, and in the route settings, it says you're in a car or a motorbike, it won't let you route on the roads, you have to, because it's a recreational map, designed more for cycling or off-road activities, you're better off, if you haven't bought the City Navigator maps, if you're in Europe, turn off any Ordnance Survey maps, and to make sure the European city, um, sorry the European topo active maps are turned on. But in your setup and routing, you're going to have to trick the unit and say you're on a two-hour cycle on a pedal bike. So go set up routing two-hour cycle. You can then go into the advanced settings and turn off some of the avoidances because normally for two-hour cycle, it's going to avoid major highways so just check that some of those ones that are maybe tick to avoid aren't avoided now you've got to use it with caution because it really is designed more for cycling on the roads but it's a way you might be able to get it to work for you if you haven't purchased that city navigator map but the main reason for this tip the main cusp of this tip the main point was if you have got the city navigator maps for road navigation turn off the Ordnance survey turn off the topoactive just have the worldwide base map And the City Navigator ones turned on, if you have got those when you're doing road navigation, makes it a much smoother
1: experience. Fantastic. Two great top tips there for both the Montana Series and also the Chorus Watch. And finally, many thanks for listening to this month's GPS Training Podcast. If there's anything you'd like to cover in future episodes, please do get in touch. And if you would like to come on one of our physical courses around the country or do our online um, course, please also get in touch. And again, don't forget we do the one-to-ones over Zoom as well if you've got a specific subject you would like us to help you with. If you can give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you listen to and a snazzy review, that is very much appreciated. So, Andy, a seven-hour trip ahead of me as I'm heading down the South Downs now. (laughs) Um, I'm down doing a GPS in the Hills course on Friday. It's Thursday today. I'm driving down Friday, a GPS in the Hills course, so I'm looking forward to seeing everybody down there. And then uh, a Garmin course on Saturday and Sunday. And you were in Northamptonshire so last week. Yeah, so busy we're both end down of the country, year. yeah. Both both down country. Busy end of the year with courses. Because we tend not to do anything in December uh, and, and as winter comes. Yeah, i um, have still got
0: Gloucestershire coming up in October. I've got Lake District in a couple of weeks. Uh, Lost the shot and then finish with the last course in Northumberland Mm -hmm. in November and then that's it already for all the courses for next year are now on, all the dates for next year are on there already.
1: Yeah, and actually last week's newsletter and thanks for... People have already started booking We've on next some bookings, year. So there's yeah. Some good bookings uh, over the last week, so it'd be good to catch up with you. And I also always start my course by saying, uh, "Who's listened to the podcast?" And uh, it's quite interesting who's seen us on YouTube and things. So it's quite interesting to uh, to see uh, and, and yeah, the people who listen to the podcast always have a, a better uh, knowledge base because they're, they're enthusiastic and, and doing it. So, so fantastic! Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Thanks, Andy, again for joining me, and uh, we look forward to catching up again same time next month. Thank Cheers. You.
0: Thanks for listening to the GPS Training Podcast, the monthly podcast keeping you up to date with everything in the world of outdoor GPS navigation.